Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. It's an extravagant Wednesday morning here in Austin, Texas, and we have an extravagant show. Cameron Parker, Ty Henderson, filling in for Craig Way and Jeff Howe today. Craig Way is wheels up on the way to Coral Gables, Florida, for the Texas Baseball Regional that will take place against Miami, Florida, Louisiana, and Maine. Jeff Hell out with a doctor's appointment, so... Myself will be filling in, and Ty Henderson, of course, you just heard him as the producer of Mornings with B&E, Lone Star Showdown, in the abnormally average podcast. Ty, how many podcasts are you on, and how are you doing today? Thanks for coming on. Two podcasts. Two. It is actually the Lone Star Lowdown. What did I say? Showdown? The Lone Star Showdown. Showdown, okay. It's kind of like, you know, the Red River, River Wild yeah, yeah, yeah. the Shootout, Showdown. What really is it? I stand yeah. corrected. Yeah, okay. So the Lone Star Lowdown. So two podcasts? That, that's two podcasts so far. You know, every, it seems like everybody's ha- has a podcast now. But you got two. Yeah, I got two. I'm a busy man during the week these days. And of course, you're the producer of Bucky and Aaron. So you're on the air how many days a week? Seven. Every seven. Days every a day week. a week because you can hear me on the Wagner Wire on Sundays and on the Saturday shows as well. Oh man. Okay. So you're basically you are the horn. Pretty at this much. Point. Hey, you are hate the me horn. or love me. That's that's what you're getting a lot of the time. Well, I'm glad you guys can join us today. Uh, Great show coming up. Uh, West Scott Eberts from Burnt Orange Nation will be joining us at ten thirty on the long or from on the, on the Longhorn Notebook. Excuse me. Uh, inconceivable. We got some uh, some weird stories. But Ty, I want to start first off with this parlay of yours because Craig Way kind of teased it yesterday for inconceivable. We didn't get to it too many uh, too many bear stories for Jeff Howe. But what was this parlay that you had a few days ago? Uh, I mean. It, it... All you need to know, it was five legs, you know, had some baseball, a little bit of hockey in there, and then it led up to the game six um, of the conference final, Eastern Conference Finals with the Heat and the Celtics. Um, I had the Heat money line. Game six? Mm-hmm. It was 50 to win about $1,600, and, you know, that Derek White putback happened, and my girlfriend jinxed it. Oh, no. Uh, she, you know, she mentioned that there was a chance the Celtics could, could still win here, and I was like, well, you know, now, now it's officially over. Thank you. Um, but it wasn't like I was down a bunch of money or anything, so wasn't too upset. You know, stuff like that happens all the time. Uh, it wasn't the first time that week that I had a parlay with, you know, one leg or the last leg losing. You probably felt pretty good when you saw Marcus Smart taking the shot, though, right? 
up. I mean, that shot, the first shot went in and out. Yeah. I think that's part yeah. of the reason why the, I don't know who was under there for the Heat trying to get that rebound, but the, that had to affect their positioning. You know, Well, at least able- three guys came out to try and, and defend Marcus Smart on that shot because they thought for sure there wouldn't be any time left on the clock by the time the ball hit the rim. And, of course, everyone came out to try and cover up Marcus Smart, and that left Derek White an opening oh, to come and J- right in. Not to mention Jason Witten, or not Jason, Jason. <laughs> Jason Tatum on the right side as well was there for the footback if, if Derek White didn't get it. So I, I think that was that was going down either way. That was classic Marcus Smart, though, to take the to take the last second shot, yeah. thinking that he is like Michael Jordan on the floor when he's maybe the third third best player it, on, the, it, on the Celtics. And it worked out because if he doesn't take that shot so quickly, there isn't any time left on the clock yeah, for Derek White to come in. There, so, is, there is no Game 7. There is no disappointment. Uh, I asked this to Bucky and Aaron earlier in the week. Would you rather your team get blown out, like swept 4-0, mm-hmm. or you know, come back like the Celtics did and lose in Game 7? To lose like that... I mean, I think I'd rather just get swept because I'm, because of the Stars last night or two nights ago. They they almost, right, they almost forced a game seven. I think I'd be more disappointed losing in seven considering you came all the way back versus just getting I don't know. getting your butt kicked in in game six because you get swept and as a Celtics fan, you're like, okay, well, we got to fire Missoula. We probably got to deal Brown. We got to move away from Horford well, and Marcus yeah. Smart. Now it's kind of like, you can't, well, can he, you fire he, him now? He brought us back from 3-0. I mean, the Brown situation, I, I don't know. Because there, there's one side where he, he, he's he been awful this playoff series. But on the other side is he, he's pretty young. He's a very talented wing. Sure, he has his dribbling issues. But you're going to cut ties with a guy I, who helped bring you to the NBA twice. Finals in the Conference Finals. I mean, they've been in the Conference Finals five times since, what, 2016? And he's been a big part of that. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's a 24-year-old second-team All-NBA exactly. guard slash wing. That uh, I mean, you're not going to find that anywhere else. I mean, you got to get lucky in the draft first or be able to mm-hmm. get someone in free agency, which you're going to have to probably pay around the same price anyways. Do so you, I, I, they have to re-sign him. Okay, so your team re-sign him and keep him, pay the, pay the $50 million? I mean, they could if, if you feel like you can swap him for somebody that gives you a better chance. I said earlier on Bucky and Aaron that that team needs a true point guard. I don't think those two. If I, 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 um, I said if, if he went to Portland, which I think is probably the most yeah. likely scenario, number one landing spot I see for him, put him with Damian Lillard, Portland trades the number three pick, maybe Amphrey Simmons, or yeah. another young piece. Um, I think that he would play a lot better with a player like Dame re- opposed to uh, Jason Tatum who can get lost in the game, not take as many shots because he's not the, – the, the ball's not going through him as much as it should be. And I think J- Jason Tatum, that is. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, he needs to be you know, wing defender, take some more threes, get better at dribbling, not turn the ball eight or- – Turn the ball over eight times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what do, what do you think? Do you think he stays on the Celtics? Let me ask you this. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, you're the number two pick in this year's draft, right? You get a call. It's Brad Stevens saying, hey, we'll give you Jalen Brown. We'll, we're going to sign him and trade you Jalen Brown. So you sign him as the Supermax. We want the number two pick. Uh, Would you take that as Charlotte? Is Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller better than Jalen Brown? Yeah. That's just really – that's all you got to ask yourself. Yeah. Are, you, are you setting yourself back? Is your timeline – is your championship timeline, you know, regressing? Because I think it would be with – I mean, I, Jalen Brown right now is better than both those guys in my opinion. Yeah. I think the, the, the only – and I'm with you there because I don't, I don't know if it, it doesn't really change you from a championship team because I, I don't think Boston was going to beat the Nuggets. I think they were going to lose in, in five or six, just like I think Miami's going to lose in five or six. 
So, but you, you got to find a way to. Horford just looked old. He he played he played some great defense, but he just looked old offensively in that series. And Marcus Smart, I mean, it's the same conundrum where it's felt like Marcus Smart has thought, okay, I'm I'm the big I'm dog. the I'm dog. The, yeah. yeah, I'm him on this team. And it's like no, actually, it's really Jason Tatum, and it might be Jalen Brown, but Smart's a great defender. Now in the playoffs this last season or this last series, excuse me, Celtics defensively, I thought did not play like I thought they would. I, I thought more... Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin, two guys who you think, well, they have you have Jalen Brown, you have Marcus Smart, why can't you have Rob Williams? Why can't you effort. match up well against the Heat? Just intensity on defense, effort. I've, and it wasn't the, there. Heat, the Heat had him beat. Having Jimmy Butler on your team, that ins- I mean, that inspires the guys around it. They have yeah. those type of guys. They go out and get those type of guys. I don't think Jason Tatum... I mean, as as I mean, he had a few closeout games. Where what, what game was it where he scored the last like fifty? He, he had fifty one in Game Seven against Philly. Yeah, and then he he was like two for thirteen going into the fourth quarter in mm-hmm. one of the games with the Heat. Yeah, the then, first the first three games were he he was just nowhere to be found in the. Oh, fourth no, that quarter. was against that was against Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm I'm confusing myself, but yeah, I I don't. You got to switch something up if you're if you're the Celtics. You can't run this back again. What scares me is that Jalen Brown when he when he first came out, it was okay. He's a great defender. He's a great wing defender who will learn how to become an offensive threat. The this last playoffs, it, it felt like why isn't Jalen Brown guarding Jimmy Butler? That's what I don't understand. Why Why do you have Derek White or Grant Williams switching on? It's because, well, we want to have him have more energy on offense. Well, he didn't do anything offensively. If Jalen Brown's your best defender, why isn't, why isn't he guarding the guy that was cooking you? In the first couple games, I just did not understand that. And maybe it's because of, you know, Masula's thought process to let's just switch everything, which, you know, I'm not a coach, but I disagree with. So that's my only concern is if Brown's supposed to be your number one defender, why isn't he guarding the number one player in the Miami Heat? Yeah, I don't. I mean, do you think that can he get? Was he getting bullied by Jimmy, Jimmy Butler? Maybe they wanted him defending the three well, point the thing line is, like, more. You're, I, you're a wing. You're supposed to be a number one defender. So if you if you're getting taken off of him, then that's what concerns yeah, me I, as a Celtics fan. Do you agree that those probably two of those first three losses fall on Joe, Joe Mazzulla? Yeah, just for I, not making adjustments, not calling timeouts. We saw that a lot from him in the playoffs. A little bit of that. Um, the offense is the now. With Masula, so I, I heard Jeff Van Gundy on a podcast yesterday. He made a really good point because the playoffs, I've, I've been roasting Missoula. But you got to think about the situation, right? So Ime Doga gets fired. It was, what, September? Will Hardy had already gone to the Jazz. So they wanted to keep the continuity of, of keeping someone around the organization in, right? And that makes sense. Instead of going out and hiring a different coach who, you know, had no relationship with the players or yeah. Brad Stevens. So they, they, they bring in Missoula, who was – a second-row coach, second-row Joe, some people call him. Now, he's pretty young, so there's a lot of growing pains, right? Al Horford right? is older than him. Literally. <laughs> I mean, he was playing in the Final he's Four. He's 34 He was playing in the Final Four his last decade. That's how young he is. He was playing against Jimmy Butler yeah. in college. In, in conference play, in the Big East conference yeah. play at West Virginia, he was playing against Marquette. was eliminated by Marquette in the Big East conference tournament his senior year. And he just got roasted by Jimmy Butler again in the playoffs. But for Missoula, okay, so... His first year as a head coach. Now, was he ready to be a head coach this year? Probably not. Celtics had no choice because of the Ime Doka stuff, which we still, none of it's public. And I don't think it, it ever will truly come out. There's, there's reports about, you know, what really happened and what Ime was doing. And holy he cow. Got, he got rehired. So must He got rehired, it, but, I mean, you know, that doesn't always mean anything. But for Missoula, he comes in, it's his, his first year, so he, he, he's kind of learning the growing pains. But 
he didn't get to hire his own staff, right? The bench coach, all of those stuff was people there before him. He lost Damon Stoudemire in the middle of the year to Georgia Tech. So he didn't really even get to hire his own coaching staff. Probably the most veteran guy on his staff leaves for Georgia Tech to, the head, to take the head coaching job, and you're, you're still learning it. So now I thought just as bad as Missoula was in the first three games, I thought he was pretty good in games four, five, and six, right? In game seven, anything can happen. When, when you make – what did Celtics shoot from the three-point line? Nine of 50? Terrible. Yeah. So when, when you shoot like that, not going to let a ball game. I mean, that's, so, how, that's how the Celtics were all year, though. If they didn't hit their threes, that's their philosophy. They lost. Yeah, that's their philosophy is we're going we're gonna to throw up three-pointers, and if they go in, we're probably going to win. If they don't go in, go in they're probably going to lose. But did you see enough out of Missoula in that last series to keep him or firing him? Because now – Nick nurses in Philadelphia. Um, you still there's still butt on the butt still in the market, right? Yes, it's Doc Rivers Doc, could make the return. Yeah, Mark Jackson. <laughs> Suns are going to hire Kevin Young, and then we've already seen the Bucks hire Adrian Griffin, who was on the Raptors staff. So, I mean, you can go for Mike Budenholzer, but Budenholzer isn't an in-game adjustments type coach, which is the same as Ime Adoka. He got the fired same, for the same reason. Yeah, exactly. So. Do you stick with Missoula and hope that, okay, well, let's have him hire his own coaching staff, maybe bring in one or two veteran-type bench coaches that can help? Or do you just say, let's just cut bait, let's fire Missoula, let's trade Jalen Brown and kind of have a mini-rebuild this summer? Man, I, I, it's the same deal with, with that I said earlier. You know, with tra- If you trade Jalen Brown and you, you say trade him to the Trailblazers and get that third pick, are, you might you're just setting yourself back. You're setting your timeline back. Your championship window. I think it'd be kind of the same deal if you started over with a, another head coach yeah. next year. It's like who, who, unless there's somebody that's yeah, you know is better. Which I don't. I think all those guys are gone. I would have liked Nick Nurse there. I think he's a great coach. He won a championship in his first year. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think at this point you run it back with Joe Mazzulli. He's like we said, thirty thirty four years old. Um, has Still a lot very to learn. Young, yeah. you're, you're putting him in a high-intensity situation as a first-year head coach. He obviously learned from those first three games, made the adjustments in games four, five, and six. So I, I say bring him back. Not not so sure about the, the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum tandem, but I, I just think you got your, you've gotten to the NBA Finals once and you've gotten close a few times. Might as well give it another shot next year. And that's why I think the, the Celtics don't fire Missoula and I think they bring back Brown because of that. Because even if you look at the West is stacked, but if you look at the Eastern Conference next season, like the Bucks, you know. But going into the playoffs, like people were saying the East is so much better than the West. I feel like that was kind of, Really? You know, the, the narrative switches so much and then yet like like we were saying when the when the Celtics yeah, were does. down when yeah. the Celtics were down three zero, it was like, Oh, Joe Mazzula's gone, split them up, like th- this is so bad, the Celtics suck. They come back. They were nine point favorites in Game Seven. Yeah, and there's still the offseason to go through. But like looking at it right now, like Milwaukee, they have a new coach. They probably won't be able to sign Lopez again. They're not going to get better. Do you think Lopez is going to get a big deal? Yes, he's going to get paid even at his age. Yeah, I think he. I thought he was the second best player in the Bucks this year. Behind, he, I mean, Giannis. he got second place in Defensive Player of yeah. the Year voting this year. I thought he was incredible. He's going to get paid. They can't afford him. Philly. New coach. Who knows if James Harden comes back? Joel right? Embiid is just not Embiid a playoff. could ask for He's just not a playoff. Yeah, he guy. could ask for a trade request in in July. Um, Raptors new coach. Who knows what's going to happen with them? I mean, I feel like the East is more open. It's still the Celtics. If you come back next year, if okay, if you're picking who's going to be the best team next season, who would be your favorite out of the East? 
who would you say? Right now, the Celtics. Exactly. So, or the Bucks. I mean, so e- even if the, even if their window or their ceiling isn't as high as maybe like the Nuggets are, they're still going to be the first or second pick team to win the Eastern Conference. So why blow it up? I mean, they were in the finals last year. I feel like you could still, you know, maybe add. Maybe maybe sign Lopez, right? Maybe bring in someone else defensively. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to re-sign Brown. Give yeah. him all that money. You're you're gonna get yourself in a situation where you're not being able to retain any of these role players like Derek White yeah. and Robert Williams. These guys that definitely helped you get you there when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown weren't performing in big moments. I it's 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 a double edged sword. You you could you could make it out either way, or you could get screwed either way. In my opinion, that's why I think they'll. If anything happens, they'll re-sign Brown, and maybe move away from Marcus Smart. Maybe move away from Al Horford to clear up, to clear up some cap space. But there's still some moves from the make. There's a lot of moves for a lot of teams to make. But I feel like as much fun as it is to have these Jalen Brown trade discussions, I think the smart play would be to just bet on him to get better. But Maybe maybe the ceiling of this team is just Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe make it to the finals and lose. Maybe that's the ceiling of the team. Because I mean, now it's been it's been since 2016. So this is what year six or seven of, of the Tatum Brown duo, and they've they've accomplished a lot, but they haven't gotten over that hump yet. No. Do you think there's any chance Brad Stevens could come? No, be, be, I think, think he's I, done coaching. I think he wants guy. to be in the front office guy. And there's a lot of questions about him, too, because, I mean, he's the one that hired... Him and Danny Age built, built this team. Yeah. So, I mean, it all it all does stop with him. The buck does stop with him. The Emay stuff, I mean, I know he's back in Houston, but from what whatever, you know, we've kind of heard the rumors about it, there was no way that you could keep a guy who slept with half the front office and half the team, right? That's just not a good look, especially for those who are in the front office and higher up in the organization, like... Hey, that guy banged my wife. Yeah, let's let's keep him back for another year. Yeah, I want to hang out with him every day. No, of, hey, of he course, coach not. ball. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> now, one thing I wanted to do before we hit the break and talk to West Scott Eberts from Burnovers Nation is wanted to do uh, a mock draft of the Heat Nuggets rosters just to see not more of an exercise to see like who has a better team, but to see how many players from the Nuggets are picked ahead of the Heat. So okay. I'll let you go first. We're gonna do eight picks, right? Yeah, let's just do eight picks. Okay. Well, I'm gonna take Jokic. Jokic. You sure? Not not yeah, Haslam. I'm, I'm sure. Haslam my, Haslam's on my board though. So number two is tough because I feel like Jimmy Butler, obviously the best player in that Celtics series series, but Jamal Murray in the playoffs this season, twenty seven point seven points per game. He's shooting forty eight percent from the floor, thirty nine percent from three point land, five rebounds, six assists, a steal. Um he was incredible. In the Lakers series, See, if he's one of the most, I think as much fun as it, it is to watch Jokic, I think it is equally as fun to watch Jamal Murray because the way they run those pick and pick and rolls between him and Jokic at the top of the key, it's almost unguardable. Now yeah, for but, Jimmy Butler, twenty eight points per game in the playoffs, which is a career high. Somehow he is shooting forty eight percent from the floor, which is a little bit under when it was last year. Seven rebounds per game. Five assists, two steals. Now, I'm going to go with Butler as my pick just because of his defensive prowess. Because I feel like with Murray, Lakers were kind of matchup hunting Murray on the defensive end versus the Celtics trying to get away from Jimmy Butler. So I would take Butler with my second, with I, my first pick. I, I would have done the same. I would have done the same thing. All right, well, I got Jamal Murray then. Make it easy on me. Michael Porter Jr. Okay. This is going as I predicted so yeah. far. 
Um, it gets a little bit tougher now. It's just so Tyler, no Tyler Hero, even though he might be available. Yeah, I mean, he's right now he's not playing. Okay. Um, my third pick, I, man, I probably just have to, I'd have to go with Caleb Martin with how he's playing right now. Caleb Martin. Playoffs. I mean, if he's, he's what he had four 20 point games all season, all regular season. He's had four in the playoffs. He's averaging, I think, like 18.6 points a game. Yeah, I'm Caleb Martin. Just a two way player there. In the playoffs this season, last last year, four and a half points per game in the playoffs. This year, 14.1 points per game. He's shooting 56% from the floor, 43% from beyond the arc. His rebounds are 4.6 per game, or sorry, 5.7 per game, up from 2.2 last year. His assists nearly tripled. He's getting himself paid. He's come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get a fat contract next year. He's going to get a Tyler Johnson, Brooklyn Nets type deal. So. You went with Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin with my third pick. So I, I got think, I got Joker, Jamal Murray, Caleb Martin. He he might be the last Heat player picked for a while because I think the rest of this is just all Nuggets. Because it's I'll tough, take yeah. I'll, I would go with Aaron Gordon here. Ah, he I mean he had one good game in the conference finals where he was able to hit a shot. He, but defensively, the, defensively he's the guy that's going to guard Jimmy Butler. And think so I think KCP will guard him. I think well, they'll probably, I, they'll I probably move it around, but I think game one you'll see Aaron Gordon starting on I, Jimmy. Butler. I probably would have picked KCP or Bruce Brown there, so I'm going to take KCP. KCP, I would take Bruce Brown. I thought in October he was going to win the MVP because of how how great he was playing, and that's more of a joke. But people, he's he's kind of come in the spotlight this season. But he's been doing this for years. He played center on the Nets a few years. ago. Yeah. On on the weird KD Kyrie yeah. team that lost after Kevin Durant's foot was inside the line on that buzzer beater, nearly Brooklyn would have been in the play would have been the NBA Finals. Bruce Brown was like you said the number he was Magic Johnson jumping center at in the three. NBA Finals. Yeah, at six three, <laughs> Kansas State Wildcat right there. So KCP for you, Bruce Brown. So so far, eight picks. There's been three. Heat players taken. I'm sorry, two. And the rest is Nuggets. Nugs. So who, who's your fifth pick? Um, probably uh, Christian Brown. Brown. Okay. Christian Brown. I don't have a big man besides Jokic. But do we do we mess up not taking Bam yet? Oh my god! <laughs> I just forgot about him. Maybe not. Can I can I reverse? Okay, you reverse Bam. Reverse yeah. Course? I feel like honestly, I, feel, I think I would have taken Bam. Has, Bam, uh, the, my last pick over Bruce Brown. Okay, you can switch that, sure. So can I can I have Bruce Brown then? Yeah, so you Brown. This is going so well right now. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> and then you want Christian Brown? I feel like I, think I would he'll, go they think he'll play in the finals. I mean he was like their probably last guy off the bench, ten to twelve minutes a game. They're still so would you take Brown over Duncan Robinson? Yeah. Really? That, okay. Duncan Robinson, I realize he got hot there in those last few games, but that's a dude that didn't play during the regular season because he can't play defense. I think Gabe Vincent for me. Okay, I like that. I like that. You can still take you can still take Christian Brown there if you want. I'll take Christian Brown now. And then probably probably Max Struess, Kyle Lowry. But Max so Struess. That's what we're in. We're in six six picks in. Do you think Bam out of bio would have gone higher? Um, I mean he's been he's really not had that great of a playoffs. I, it's his his numbers are deceiving. Because he does have games where he looks like he's in I don't. I don't control. like this matchup for him. I mean, he's he's a smaller, less skilled joker, in my opinion. 
a similar player. I yeah. think I think he's a hell of a player, but I think against Jokic, I, I just don't know if he'll thrive in this series. Against against Boston, I thought they used him well, especially in the zone, and then they kind of had him planted at the three throw line on offense because he has a good mid range jumper. But I think against Jokic, I think Jokic can just he's gonna body him. Yeah, he's two hundred eighty five pounds. He already he already bodied Anthony Davis, and I don't understand. I don't, I don't see how he doesn't do the same thing with Bam now. Honestly, I don't know who's even going to guard Jokic. I think we're just going to see the zone from Miami mostly in this playoff series. But Jokic is so smart that I don't I don't think Spo can rely on the zone. Whereas Boston, when they when they have Tatum up top and they run that, yeah. they, they try to double. It's team like it's like the, the first time they've ever played zone before against like zone offensively. The Celtics, it's like what what is this? Like wait, they're not playing man. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me just drive in in three guys and throw up a layup. Oh, didn't go in. Okay, let's try it again. That's that's what frustrated me with Missoula is how have you not adjusted to the zone by game seven? Well, I mean, I don't even know if there was an adjustment because they were getting open shots, like open threes. They were. When they were in the zone. That like Miami would only go in the zone when Boston would go cold or Jason Tatum was taking over and you can, you know, double team Jason Tatum up top and everyone else gets in the zone. But, but, but you have... You have Tatum, Brown. You have guys who can get to the rim. Just hit your shots. That that's that was the issue for the Celtics. I mean, in those in those last two games where they, I mean, they should have lost game two because they couldn't score in the last five minutes, and they got blown out in game seven because they couldn't hit hit a hit a shot. Okay, we have two picks left available. You have Caleb Lowry, uh, Duncan Robinson has them still there. Cody Seller for on the Heat on the Nuggets. The only guy left is Reggie Jackson, Jeff Green. Uh, Two picks left. Uncle Jeff Green. Jeff Green. I would probably, probably because I don't think Reggie Jackson even played in the playoffs. No. I think I would go with my seventh pick, Duncan Robinson. No, I'll go with Kyle Lowry. Okay. And I'll take Kevin Love because he's been to five finals and he can still hit a three. And I need a big man. So from the first first six picks... For each of us. So Jokic, one, Butler, two. And then the next two were, were Nuggets players. Murray, MP, Michael Porton Jr. Then Caleb Martin, Aaron Gordon, KCP, Bam. Bam would have gone higher. He would have. We must. Bruce Brown <laughs> gave. I mean, it just when you're picking these teams. There's a reason why we forgot about them. Though. Yeah. It's, be, and it's Nuggets. Most The Nuggets core guys went ahead of Bam Adebayo. And I think that tells you. Everything about the series. Uh, real quick before the break, who is your uh, who's your pick to win the series? I got Denver and six. Denver and six. Okay. Any any uh, MVP? Uh, I think Michael Porter Jr. could win. Really? Okay. MVP. I think he's gonna have a huge series. I, I, he's gonna he's been on fire from three. Nobody you can't you can't even contest that jump shot when he's six ten. He jumps that high. His release point is so high. Um, that's that's kind of a sleeper pick though. I mean. Jokic is obviously probably going to be the Finals MVP if Denver wins. Yeah, I think if you're going to bet on it, I think you go with Jokic because he, he's he, the numbers he's put up this playoffs. I mean, he's the most consistent. He's the best player in the world right now. I think it's going to be, I would say Nuggets, Nuggets in five, and Jokic MVP. I like Miami to win Game One though. Yeah. Okay. Off they're going to be off a lot shorter. Short rest compared to the Nuggets. A little bit of rest, though, but I'm a, I'm a big I, – I don't like the rest versus uh, – I'm more of a don't rest your players because yeah. they're going to get rusty. 
you know, get complacent. I think I think Miami wins game one. Denver takes control after that. Okay. Well, that was probably the worst mock draft of all time. It's good. We tried. Yeah. Next time we'll remember Ben. Mahobile. I'm clear. I'm not Craig Way, guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Coming up next, we got inconceivable to bomb the hour. But up next, Longhorn Notebook. We got Westcott Eberts from Burnt Orange Nation joining us. That's up next on the Horn. Light the tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Hour one of Light the Tower rolls on on a beautiful Wednesday here in Austin, Texas. Craig Way on the way to Coral Gables, Florida. Jeff Howe out with the doctor's appointment. So Cameron Parker, Ty Henderson holding it down for you here. And now it's time for our first hour edition of Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. And with that, we'll turn to the Vaqueros, hot ca- Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. And joining us from... Burnt Orange Nation, he is the managing editor of Burnt Orange Nation at BurntOrangeNation.com. You can follow him on Twitter at SBN underscore Westcott. Westcott, Westcott Eberts, how you doing, my man? Good, thanks for having me on, Cam. How you doing today, Todd? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Now, a busy week here for, for Texas baseball. The postseason gets underway on Friday. Now, they're in the Coral Gables Region taking on Miami in the number eight selection. You got Maine. You have Louisiana, who Texas will face off against Friday. But it's been a, it's been a weird season, right? You had the bad start to the year, then you had the long winning streak followed by some up and down performances in conference play. You had the two uh, blown leads against Oklahoma State. You were swept by Oklahoma at home. Then you you came back. You swept West Virginia to clinch a share of the Big Twelve championship, and then you ended up going to and barbecue in the Big 12 Conference Tournament. What do you make of this Texas baseball team heading into Friday? Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, certainly an up-and-down team over the year. Uh, they've had some trouble, you know, getting their starting rotation sorted. I think that's in pretty good shape right now. Uh, LeBaron Johnson really pitching well in that number two role. Uh, Lucas Gordon, Big 12 Pitcher of the Year. Uh, they're going to need a, a good performance uh, from him on Friday. And then uh, really looking at, at the top of the order for Texas, uh, Jared Thomas. Uh, really effective after he moved into that leadoff role. Uh, Peyton Powell in the number two slot. Those two guys were one for seven um, in Arlington. Uh, both of them were dealing with uh, some back issues. And, and I think just for the entire team, that they need to have a better approach at the plate. Uh, you know, David Pierce and I think Eric Kennedy were, were talking about this uh, coming out of that poor performance in Arlington. Uh, just maybe some kind of selfish at bats. Uh, guys trying to do too much uh, by themselves. Uh, you know, too many fly balls. Uh, not really enough line drive. Really need to have that good gap to gap gap approach, um, and, and just try to try to hit line drives uh, against a, a Louisiana team, um, third in the nation in stolen bases. Uh, pretty solid offensively. Uh, 288, 66 home runs for them, 65 allowed. Uh, not really a big power hitting team. Uh, they've had a little bit of trouble with their own starting rotation. Uh, they have a, a junior college three-time All-American who came in. Um, you know, he was supposed to really be their, their ace. Um, he ended up having to get shut down by back issues. Uh, Jackson Neza, I think, is a guy that's going to go for them. Uh, 6.14 ERA for him, 1.34 whip. He's a, a Florida State transfer. Um, you know, so I think as a staff, Louisiana is pretty good. 4.73 key month ERA, 246 batting average against. Uh, but that starting rotation 
has been a little bit sketchy. It's kind of been a team effort for them um, in terms of pitching this year. Yeah, looking at Louisiana's lineup, they got some powerful lefty hitters. Are you worried at all with Lucas Gordon starting game one? I mean, his last performance against Kansas, you know, wasn't that great. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I'm I'm particularly worried about it, but, you know, the, the performance of Lucas Gordon on Friday and, and his ability to really put Texas in a position to win that game, you know, obviously, you know, when you look at, at the regional round, um, you really want to get that first win and not have to get sent um, into that loser's bracket where you're facing elimination games all weekend. And, you know, especially if you go up against uh, Miami, really good home team this year, 28-5. Uh, and five. So, you know, really I think if Texas is going to have a chance to, to get out of this regional, you know, you really look at that first game and say, you know, you've got to win it. You know, otherwise, um, you know, pretty likely that, that Texas baseball is going to be uh, coming home at the end of the weekend. Um, Ty Anderson here. Thanks for coming on. Uh, what with the injuries in the bullpen, do you expect one or two guys to step up and kind of take control of those late inning situations? Um, I, I know we've struggled with that this year, but uh, I, I I just wondering if you had a name in mind. Yeah, I mean that's a that's going to be a, a big question. Um, and obviously, the the guy with the best stuff is, is Zane Morehouse. Um, he's been up and down as a closer. There's been some uh, just really, I mean, stressful moments him trying to get out of games even even with some big leads um you know david shaw has maybe been the most reliable guy um he left with a potentially serious elbow injury i'm not sure if texas has made any announcements about his future you know heston toll is another guy that's um you know been a, a pretty key piece at times uh, for texas in the bullpen um he didn't travel with the team to arlington so you know i'm not really sure what's what's going on for him um you know i don't know if Travis Staley might be a guy that they turn to, um, you know, maybe even LeBaron Johnson, you know, on Friday, if they, if they really need a guy, you know, to, to get them out of that game, I'm not sure if, you know, he might be available, but, you know, really, you know, dating back to last year when, when Aaron Nixon really started struggling, uh, that's been, you know, a real, a real problem for the Longhorns, um, you know, going on two seasons now, uh, really being able to, to get out of games. Westcott, do you take more away from the two and barbecue finish in the Big 12 Conference Tournament or the sweep of West Virginia to end the regular season? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, West Virginia opted not to, to use their Friday starter early in that series. I'm not sure, you know, the, the level of mental focus that they came in knowing that, you know, even with a, a sweep by Texas that they were going to still be able to have a share of, of um, you know that Big 12 title. So, you know, I, I'm. I would say that that I'm I'm more concerned about you know what happened in Arlington. I'm not sure if, you know, maybe there was a little you know mental let up um, from Texas. You know, kind of saw a lot of guys posting on social media, um, you know, about the preseason expectations and how, you know, they they didn't end up you know actually reloading. Uh, you know, having to rebuild this year it was more of a, a reloading season. Um, so I think. You know, this is a team that, you know, maybe really needed this last few days of practice uh, to really try to get right mentally again, to try to, you know, get Peyton Powell and, and Jared Thomas right because, um, you know, at the top of the order, they're they're really going to need those guys to produce. A last baseball question for you. What is your prediction this week for Texas, Westcott? Um, I certainly wouldn't expect them to, you know, um, get, get eliminated in, in the first two games, but um, you know, I don't 
I don't no matter you know how many games they play, I don't ultimately um, you know see them being able to get out of this regional. I think they just really missed a, a huge opportunity in Arlington, if not to host, uh, then at least to to be matched up with um, you know one of the the lower seeds in, in the top 16, and you know so I think they kind of squandered their chance to really have a good opportunity to advance this weekend. Pivoting to uh, Texas basketball, um, Caleb Love yesterday committed to Arizona. He was one of RT's uh, transfer targets. You know, we've uh, acquired Chindle Weaver and a few other guys this offseason. Do you see Coach Terry and the staff going after any other transfer targets? Yeah, I think there's going to be, um, you know, a couple more guys. I think that one of the guys that they've been, um, you know, going after is the, the Tennessee wing, Julian Powell. Uh, that's a position that I think they that they really need to, to um you know, to land a player at. Um, obviously, I think Dylan Mitchell had a really good NBA combine. I think he'll probably be able to sneak into the, the back end of the first round, early second round. Uh, so I expect him to stay in the draft. And then, you know, obviously losing, you know, Ron Holland was a big deal for Texas. Um, you know, so really at that wing spot, um, you know, I think they'd really like to land an impact player. Um, you know, as for a guy like Caleb Love, you know, I think he's, he's talented enough that, that you take him if you can, but you know, kind of a high-volume shooter, uh, not particularly inefficient. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how good of a fit he really would have been at Texas. Any uh, recruiting news, um, you know, heading into this year? I, I'm, do we have any freshmen coming in at this point and maybe for the upcoming year after that? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the last part of the uh, 2023 recruiting class uh, got into campus. I think probably the big name there is, is Derek Williams, the, the safety, you know, out of Louisiana. I think uh, I was talking about ba- I was talking basketball. My bad. I, I wasn't I, after the after Ron Holland decommitted. I, I, if I'm not wrong, there's no one in that class freshman wise. No, right? yeah, no, sorry, there's there's no freshman in the in the Texas basketball recruiting. Class is there any chance to still grab anyone there? I, I don't know if there's still any guys hanging around that haven't made a decision yet. Um. There's no guys that are on my radar. I think it's you know it's pretty hard at, at this point in the process. All, my, port, all portal you know, guys I'm at this thinking, point. Yeah, I, I I don't think that there's going to be anyone unless it's kind of the back of the roster guy. Talking with Westcott Eberts yeah. of BurntOrangeNation.com. Westcott, now Tigers asked you about uh, incoming freshmen. You went toward football. Now I know summer enrollees just came in. Uh, it was moving day this last weekend. You had a piece on BurntOrangeNation.com. Who are some of the incoming football freshmen that? You got your eye on heading into uh, possibly fall camp. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, one of the good things for Steve Sarkeesian and his staff with, um, you know, where they built the program to entering his third year is that I don't expect Texas to really have to rely on any of those guys. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Derek Williams is a guy could possibly figure into the rotation. I, you know, I think a guy that you certainly would want to contribute on special teams. Uh, Ryan Niblett, a uh, guy that had uh, – Ran a uh, 10 5 600 meter, you know, as a uh, as a sophomore in high school. He's a wide receiver. And I think he's a guy who could, you know, come in and maybe be a, a deep threat and some specialty packages um, for them, or maybe a guy that you know you want to get the ball to on some screens. But you know, obviously, John Tate Cook, um, DeAndre Moore came in already. Um, both of those guys, I think, had really good spring practices. Ad Mitchell, Isaiah Nair came coming back. Um, so really, you know, of all the, the guys that just got on campus, I think uh, Stanford transfer, uh, Ryan Sanborn, the punter, is going to be really important. Texas was using a walk-on kicker there uh, this spring. And then you know, Minnesota transfer, uh, Trill Carter, 
defensive tackle, multi-year starter at, at Minnesota. Uh, Texas brought him in to be a rotational uh, player. I'm on the interior defensive line. So I think more experienced transfer portal players of the summer enrollees that are going to be the guys that uh, Texas really looks to to have an impact. Going into summer workouts and fall camp, in, in your opinion, what what is uh, the strongest position group? Now that all the freshmen have, you know, are on campus for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Texas probably feels really good about uh, the talent at the quarterback room, but uh, probably I would say running back of all the positions on the team really? um, is probably the talented. Even after losing Roshan and Bijan, you, so you like what you're seeing from Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks and some of these other guys? Yeah, it's a really deep position. Uh, Texas has a ton of talent there. Um, I think one of the questions that's, um, you know, going to define the rotation there is whether any one of those guys, you know, really steps up and is the guy or whether there's, you know, a lot of rotation there. I mean, even, you know, Savion Red looked good as kind of a hybrid player, you know, during the spring. Um, Keelan Robinson was a guy that Texas used in, in kind of a, a similar role there. So and I think one of the challenges, um, you know, for Steve Sarkeesian and, and to start choice is really to figure out during preseason camp if there's a number one guy at that position. And then if there's not, how they want to uh, rotate those players, uh, if they, you know, kind of end up going with the hot hand. And uh, that's going to be, um, you know, an interesting position to watch in, in terms of how they manage that and, and whether any one player really emerges there. He is Wes Scott Eberts from BurntOrangeNation.com. You can follow him on Twitter at SBN underscore West Scott. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Wes Scott Eberts from BurntOrangeNation.com. little Texas baseball look ahead and some football, some basketball notes. Coming up next, we've got Inconceivable. This college baseball team is not getting hotels. They're staying in college dorms. That's up next. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. We start today's inconceivable with a very conceivable tweet from Ty Henderson this morning. Yes. Give, want... give us the details. Let's go through Oh, right you know, just me and my luck. Uh, last night, watching some baseball. Checked. Have you ever checked out uh, ML, MLB Big Inning? Kind of their version of Red Zone. I haven't. Really cool. But that is not part of my inconceivable. Okay. The athletics, the Oakland athletics, you know, we all know them. Love the them. They, abysmal. They are Oakland terrible. A's. Before two days ago, they had won 10 games this year. Um, and they are now on a two-game winning streak against the Atlanta Braves. Mm. Aren't bad. Bryce Elder, lifetime Longhorn, pitched last night. Leader, uh, leader of a lowest ERA in the MLB, actually. But before the game started, I decided to tweet on my Twitter account, at TexasGuyTy, oh, that no. I would bet my life. Oh, no. And I did bet a lot of money that the Atlanta Braves would beat the Athletics last night, and they did not. Like I said, two to one, they lost. <laughs> and I knew it as soon as I sent send on that tweet that uh, they were probably going to lose. A two one loss. Elder he actually pitched pretty good. JP Sears for Oakland A goes six innings, gives up just one earned run. The bullpen, which has been shaky all year for Oakland, able to come in. They pitched three full innings, no hits allowed in the last three innings. By the A's pitching staff, one of the they have they're twelve in forty five, going to be playing in Las Vegas in a few years. Hey, they're playing again tonight, and I'll 
You're going to double down? You're going to double down? Double down on my life bet. They will win t- today. I promise you that game is around 3.30, I think. Uh, Ty Henderson always reminding us to never tweet. Okay. We talked to the Westcott Eberts about the upcoming NCAA baseball regionals. Um, I believe Texas will be staying in some hotels in South Beach. Lord knows there's a million hotels in that area. But if you're traveling to Lexington as a part of the Kentucky region, you might be out of luck. West Virginia, Indiana, Ball State all participating in the regional begins Friday. Have to search for hotel rooms because all the hotel rooms in Lexington have been sold out due to the Railbird Music Festival, a massive event that headlined, that's headlined by country music stars Charles Childers and Zach Bryan. Also, the state high school playoffs taking place the same weekend for softball, baseball, track, and field have made it so that there is no room for these players to stay. Now, the choice for them is to either stay over an hour away or possibly stay in dorm rooms, dorm rooms for $185 a night time. It sounds like a nightmare. John Hale reached out to the NCA for clarification on the hotel situation in Lexington. Here's what the NCA said. During the process of selecting regional hosts, the NCAA Division Baseball Committee was made aware of the logistical challenges for the University of Kentucky due to the previously scheduled events in the area, i.e. the Railbird Music Festival and the state high school playoffs for baseball, softball, everything. Since Kentucky could not secure the minimum number of hotel rooms with a specific distance of no more than 30 miles from the host venue, the school informed the committee it had secured three different on-campus resident buildings within proximity to the baseball stadium where the teams could be housed. Now, those housing, it's $185 per night. You're going to have four players in one dorm with one bathroom. And it's $185? A night. So you get in. I'll be watching I mean, on TV if I'm a Kentucky fan. If you're traveling, like Texas traveling today for the regional search Friday, so you're there Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night, possibly Sunday night, to live in a dorm room with, with four guys. Now, when when you were at Texas State, you lived in, in, in Wampus, right? Yes. How many how many guys in in one apartment? So I never li- had to like share a room with anyone. Even at my short time at Texas State in the dorm or Texas Tech in the dorms there, I had my own room, but I shared a living space with three other people. The most I've ever shared a living space with is five other people, which is a lot. Well, some of these baseball players might be doing the same thing. In state committees, it was the understanding of the committee that the accommodations are apartment-style residence facilities. Kentucky also stated that, that the committee would have staffing 24 hours a day. Well, that's great. Additionally, Kentucky secured hotel rooms at three separate sites in Louisville, which is 65 miles away. So these teams, hey, either... Hey, congratulations. You made it to the NCAA postseason. Now, here's a reward. You either have to stay in a campus dorm with three dudes in one bathroom or stay at a hotel that's over an hour away to come and play. I'd rather stay at the hotel an hour away. What? You know what? You only have to drive back and forth once a day, right? Well, it depends on where you, you have to come back for practice. Well, it depends on because if you're coming in for practice, you may have to, you know, a lot of the teams, they travel for practice to come back to the team hotel. So it depends on how all that works. Because it's either, if you're 65 miles away, you're not driving back and forth is my guess. That's true. Hey, that just sucks. I mean, I, Or no you, mean you just it. have to suck it up and play in a dorm. But as someone commented, someone commented, I don't give betting advice, but maybe bet on Kentucky 
to win the regional because they're the only ones who are staying in probably normal size but even, rooms. But even Kentucky fans that don't live in Lexington, it's still going to be like, how are they going to go to the games? How are any of these fans of these teams going to make it? You're going to have to stay in Louisville. I mean, like the, your only option is to stay in Louisville or outside. You're, you're traveling over an hour, hour and a half probably to attend these. So if we talk about the players, but yeah, if you're a fan of a Ball State or Indiana or whoever, like you're you're going to have to stay either an hour away just to go to one of these games. And I'm guessing you're not getting the hundred and eighty-five dollar a night rate that the can, that these baseball players are getting. You're you're probably because you, they can upcharge you. Getting 300, 300 bucks a night to the stay, state, in the stay in Louisville? Yeah. Uh, in Louisville, yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. Like I said, watching on TV if I'm a fan of one of those teams. NCAA just continues, continues to never. Say, so, oh, we don't care. Disappoint. Good luck. Yeah. No, we don't care whatsoever. So for those players in the Lexington Regional, uh, good luck because my guess is either you're sleeping in a twin extra large bed with three other dudes in one bathroom or you're driving an hour away to the regional. That's our number one of Light the Tower. Hour two coming up next here on the horn. Cameron Parker, Ty Henderson filling in on this Wednesday. Now turning into the afternoon here in Austin, Texas. We got Texas baseball just two days away as the Longhorns look to add to their impressive College World Series resume. We'll talk more. Flex ATX and NBA Finals coming up. It's the Horn.